Funding for the Capital Weekly Podcast is provided by the California Endowment and by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Uh, greetings and welcome to Capital Weekly's regular podcast. I'm John Howard. I'm joined by Tom Chorno, reporter extraordinaire, former AP reporter, former Chronicle reporter, uh, Thanks, and also John. the author, a f- an author of a work of fiction. Unlike the public thinks all of us do works of fiction, but Tom Chorno has done it, and it's a book called Enterprise Reporting. It's really good. Uh, I was looking through it, and like I mentioned to you, it, it hops and jumps and goes around straight, and uh, there's a lot in it. So let's Thank chat you. about that. Yes, sir. Um, first of all, is this based on real events? Well, I use real events. Uh, actually, one of the one of the central characters is uh, former Governor Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was careful though to use sort of public uh, 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 issues and things he actually said. I didn't invent things around him, but it takes place during his yeah. uh, time in office. As far as the central theme, which is of a bad faith reporter uh, be- becoming even worse, uh, no, no, nothing, uh, nothing like that has ever happened in my my knowledge or experience. You treated us um, all very gently. I think uh, I, I've never heard of it happening. Yeah, I've thought of it. I mean, I've and I've had instances where someone has implied uh, some sort of kind of uh, yeah. payoff of some sort if I was to do something. Um, but you know, we're really not in this business because we want to make money. Yeah. Uh, I can attest to that. And if if we wanted to be powerful and, you know, move people around, we would have uh, run for office or, you know, so all of the reasons that might go into somebody really being, uh, manipulative of the news, um, is really not why any, any reporter would ever be in the business. Mm -hmm. And so this is a what if, what if, what if the, what if a bad character got in? Is really what this is about. It was sort of eerie. As I started reading it, I, I realized, wait, I know somebody just like that. Oh, wait, he's referring to so. Or wait, where did she come from? And it's like this is part of a. I know it's fictional, but it's we. Well, I do draw on a on a vast array of, of yeah. days and weeks and, and hours spent around the capital and, and impressions of of different folks. Um, I think I tried to. Um, pimp the novel a while back by telling people that they should read it because a character is based on them. <laughs> but it didn't, as a marketing tool, it didn't, it didn't take off to, to, at least not yet. We'll see. And you should. You should read my novel because the character might be based on Okay, it. we don't call it pimping. We call it promotion. Ah, yeah. well, marketing is what we call it. Right? Um, uh, when did you decide you wanted to do it? Actually, sit down and write this thing. You know, um, very honestly, I, I was going through divorce and I had a billion hours of free time and I knew that I had to spend, I can only spend so much time on a bar stool. And I can't, I don't have, I can't work tools. I couldn't build anything, couldn't fix a car. So I had to start doing something. And so I was actually, I've always been interested in fiction. Uh, fooled around with, um, you know, I've always fooled around with poetry and short stories and things like that. So I yeah. kind of mm-hmm. find myself getting back into it and thinking about, you know, what about a bigger project? I, I guess it would be like a carpenter who was suddenly, you know, you're building a, a birdhouse and then you're thinking, well, what about adding on to the adding on to the family home, you know? So Do you start living with the characters? I mean, do you sort of uh, assimilate their traits and sort of like live in a fantasy world or whatever until you finish the book? I've heard people do that. We had a writing coach at the AP many years ago who said that she did fiction. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, for the time that she was writing 
a short story. She sort of lived in that world. Then she finished it, and then she got back in the parallel universe. It draws you universe. in. I mean, you, you do, uh, if, you're, if you feel good about the people that, are, that you're spending time with, the characters that you've yep. developed, um, it does draw you in. Um, I'm not sure I felt like I was living with them, but I certainly um, knew who they were and, and uh, knew what their limits were and, and felt like, uh, I felt like they're pretty believable people. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're kind of, because it, they're almost like the, some, of the, some of the scenarios are things I could just visualize happening and, and know, um, you know, personalities or, or traits that I've, I've injected into the, into the characters. I know how they would respond, mm-hmm. and it would seem to me to be a realistic response most of the time. This book, uh, when you started working on it, it predates all the, the, the fake news terminology that we've heard for the last year or so. I mean, this, even though a lot of that is in this book, indirectly anyway, but um, you, you sort of feel justified or sort of uh, things that you were talking about actually came to pass? It, it's, it's been remarkable. I think I was in the third draft the first time I saw fake news in the New York Times, the, the, the phrase. Um, and I thought, man, what a great marketing uh, opportunity. And I'm not sure. I think people are, are really... They really don't like the the whole concept, and, and yeah. I'm not sure if, if it never happened. I might be in a better spot, but yes, it did predate it uh, by by quite a bit. Um, I think I told you the the quick vignette earlier. I'll repeat it. Um, but the impetus <laughs> of the story that kept kind of coming back to me as something that you could build a novel around had to do with an incident when I was a very young reporter, where um, I, you know we had this uh, story where. Um, there was this kind of an A-list political character in L.A. and a B-list guy, and the target of the story was the was the B-list guy, but the but his his partner was way better known and much more uh, prominent, and because of their relationship and because of the circumstances of the story, um, they both there there was it was appropriate that both of them be in the story, and so at some point the the big fish sent uh, an emissary down to kind of sugar me off the story. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was pretty young, didn't quite understand what was happening. The guy took me to lunch, and um, at some point uh, I made a joke about, well, what, what do I get out of it? And, and the guy made a pretty pregnant pause and said, well, what do you want? And, you know, I was like, yeah. You, you, Cue I, up you know, the dramatic I, music yeah, now. I, I don't know what, so that we walked out, I didn't know what he meant. And, um, but it stuck with me that, you know, God, I could have, maybe I could have got a new surfboard or, <laughs> you know, a better set of tires or, you know, I don't know, a case of beer. Um, Your whole life might have changed. It could have. Uh, and I just think, you know, what if, you know, and the desk wouldn't have known. You know, they would have been happy if it may not have been an A1 story anymore, but it was still a, it was still a legitimate story. So it, it was something that, that I had always kind of thought about, kind of a what if. Um, and, and obviously, worst case scenario amongst journalists, because none of us, are in this business to make money or to feel powerful necessarily. I mean, I know people don't believe that, but that's the fact. We're not. We're we're, in, we're engaged in a in a in a craft and a in a trade that, that is uh, promotes communication, and that's kind of that's where we get the charge out of it. Is telling people stuff they didn't know yesterday, you know, and at least for me. Also, Capital Weekly event planning, uh, the top 100 list where. That's always a delight every year. That'll be over here mercifully pretty soon for this yeah. year. Yeah, um, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, after you finish that, actually, maybe before that, I'll just back up a second. Basically, the 
quick synopsis of this book, but without doing any spoiling here. But it's a reporter who has an uncle who is a lobbyist, a well-known lobbyist in a well-known firm. And the lobbyist is very aggressive about protecting his client's interests, and he sees an advantage in having a basically a disinformation site set up with his nephew, the reporter, running it. And so this book is about the implications of that and the results of that. And there's also the love interest in the book. She can't, can't, don't squeeze that out. Like, absolutely. She saw you throwing up and you hit your head on a table and uh, she <laughs> still me. likes you anyway. Not me, it's not me. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, actually, uh, the main character faints. He doesn't throw up. Oh, that's uh, right. You know, but, uh, it wasn't somebody holding a bucket or something. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was, that's true. You did do that. Uh, that's, a, that's a good synopsis. And you know what's funny in a way is that... Um, the 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 impression I always kind of had as to how these guys were manipulating the news yeah. was real subtle, right? I mean, it's the stuff. It's sort of an editor's nightmare. <clears throat> what is the reporter not telling me about the story? You know, what's he leaving out when he's telling me what he knows? And in that context, you can if you say your your client is you know needs some kind of um, just a little push in in one direction or another that a story. You know, we, we publish stories all the time. We don't know what impact they have, you know, inside the legislature or, you know, at some of some, um, you know, agency or something, but they all have impact. And if it was somehow you could cue it up so that you knew what was going to happen, and it yeah. was just a very subtle change. And so when the fake news started kind of rolling out of, the, you know, the, 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 the presidential election, there's like these massively you know, bizarre things, you know, the Pope endorsed Trump, you know, it was like, and I was thinking, no, that's, that's not what I'm thinking about here, we're, we're talking real subtle, not, not really crazy, you know, but it seemed like, well, I mean, people are suckering on this stuff. Well, you know, you mentioned uh, <clears throat> in the book a, uh, a confrontation with an editor who had uh, rewritten the story to give it a different cast. Now, that's fiction. That yeah. never happened. Yeah, I know. I was just going to say, this definitely is, is real nonfiction here. Uh, and actually, and extracting a quote, so, giving a synopsis of a quote or, or using an orphan quote to sort of change the position of one of the people that had been interviewed in the story. And the reporter uh, saying, finally getting, not actually never getting hold of the editor, but leaving a voice message saying, you know, if you do that, then I'm filing a guild grievance. Take my name off this. If you don't take my name off, I'm filing a grievance with the guild. You know, that I can think of offhand. As soon as I read that, I can think of a dozen, dozen episodes, uh, real episodes, some of them involving your former paper down in, uh, at the LA Daily News in egregious ways. And it's hard, for, I think, for the public to understand it and also for reporters who haven't gone through it of actually having a story rewritten to conform to you know, to conform to the editor editor's view of the story. You know, and in, in, in a way, it's a very short trip from from that yeah. to actual manipulation to benefit a client where you're yeah. getting compensated somehow. I mean, it's you know, and I get why people are are always suspicious of of the motives behind the you know yeah. behind the wall at a, at a newspaper. Mm. Um, but even in the but even in the cases you're talking about, in, in my experience. It was either incompetence or or truly a, a, a contrary view of what the news kind of was. Yeah, sure. It was never motivated in some way to, um, you know, create some outcome that was, you know, going to be beneficial to the editor or, or the reporter or anything. It was, Did you have fun doing this? Did you have fun writing this? I did. I did. I had a lot of fun. It was uh, some of these deals where you 
start off thinking, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to finish one draft. I don't know if you've ever fooled around with fiction, yeah. but getting up the next day after writing, oh, a few news stories I have, but, <laughs> <laughs> but if you, maybe if you, so you write all day Saturday and think, ah, oh, you've written this brilliant stuff, and then you read it on Sunday and you throw it away. It's just, it's horrible. So just getting out of the first ten pages yeah. is, is pretty hard to do. And so w once you get started and you say, okay, well, I'm going to finish a whole draft. And then while you're working on the draft, you're realizing, well, I have to like in order to make this work, I got to you know you're changing the composition of the of the of the you know the statue. It's like it's changing as you're yeah, trying sure. to finish. Yeah. And so you get through with the draft, and you go, well, I have to go back and fix like about nine thousand things because yeah. a whole bunch of stuff that I started off thinking I wanted to do now have changed in order to get to this, you know, to get to the, the last okay. page. And eventually you do that, and you say, now what am I going to do? Well, you know, I got to. Now I got to make it work, yeah. And then you know, show it to somebody, and somebody says it's terrible. You need to rewrite it. So you rewrite, and pretty soon you're, yeah. I mean, you know, it it it, it ends up taking up the time that you were otherwise spending looking at yeah. uh, curtains or uh, going to the farmers market. Well, last question: Are you going to write another one? Is there a sequel to Enterprise? Is there an Enterprise reporting two coming along? I don't know, but I do have um, some other ambitions, uh, and I'm they're not they're not gelled yet, but I'm. Okay. Uh, I'm I plan on doing more of this work. I enjoy cool. it, yeah. and uh, good. And I appreciate uh, anyone who would like to uh, to read it. You're going to return to Manhattan Beach and be a surfer. By the way, you can't see this uh, wherever you're listening to this, but he's got a Hawaiian shirt that beats mine today. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm dressed for radio. <clears throat> uh, you know what? If I was to uh, be able to go back to Manhattan Beach, it would mean that I made like millions of dollars on this book, which <laughs> so far hasn't happened. So we're we're still talking. Maybe. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe I could drive through or something. Well, one thing you're uh, on the cusp of being a granddad, right? No, I am. You are. Okay. Happened Sunday. Oh First my God! Well, congratulations. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah. A soon-to-be teenage driver. You know? Yeah. Pretty soon, he'll be driving me around. <laughs> Tom, where can we pick up a copy of the book? Uh, the book is available on Amazon. Mm -hmm. uh, plug in my last name, uh, Chorno, C H O R N E A U, and it'll pop up. Uh, I've had uh, some good reviews, believe it or not. Yeah, I saw them. By people that I didn't pay to do it. <laughs> but, uh, but it's available uh, in hardback or in Kindle. In in Kindle yeah, okay. Tom Chorno, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Thanks for doing this. A lot thank of you. fun. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Pat. The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations.